Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. See the curtains hanging in the window in the evening on a Friday night. Little light is shining through the window Let's me know everything's alright Summer breeze Makes me feel fine Blowing through the jasmine in my mind Good morning everyone you found Financial Food for Thought Got Mark Donnelly and Carrie Waddell Summer's summer's over, Carrie Oh, no, it's, it's not over After, after July 4th, you know, it's over Why do they say that? Be in the know. moment. My father always told me that. I well, a lot of people say that. Kind of believe just Be in the moment. No, we still have most of July and August. I tell you, the one thing we got to worry about, uh, you know, this summer is the uh, domestic malaria. Carrie, have you heard about this? I have heard about it. So yeah, isn't it Use crazy? You're off. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I, I don't or know. Or some if, of your natural, I, I don't know if that's going to do it. For those of you who haven't heard, we have a little, well, what may be a malaria, a resurgence of malaria bred and born in the right. USA, which, you know, it was eradicated in 1951, right. Carrie. Um, actually, you know, it was the start of the CDC, actually. It was when the, uh, when the, uh, the infantry, you know, when the soldiers came back. And they got they all got malaria right. in the war zone, and then they brought it back. And so it was originally called the Office of Malaria Control in War Areas, and then which later became the CDC. And they're the ones that did the campaign to kind of get rid of it. Right. Um, but now I guess four cases in Florida, right, and one confirmed case in Texas. That's that South man. The um, bugs are worse down there. And and it's not like the Zika. It's not the West Nile. I was going to say West Nile's still pretty big. Yeah, it's it's transmitted a different way. It, it's it's the so actually the parasite wants to live in humans. Right. Okay. The way it gets around, it's not like the Rona, you know, it's not airborne. It no. gets around with the mosquitoes. Right. So the mosquito, I guess, bites the infected person. Right. And the parasite's in the mosquito and injects it, basically, or the saliva or whatever it is gets right. into your system. And they're, they're saying because it's been so, it's not that uncommon in the U.S., but, no. but the difference now is some of these confirmed cases are people who haven't traveled. See, the, mo- the most recent right. is 1951. It's somebody who traveled outside the U.S., mm-hmm. caught it, and brought it back. Right. These particular people said, we- I haven't been traveling. Right. So that means, where is it? And, you know, and and, and they also are concerned, the, the malaria experts, because um, they're worried about the young doctors and primary care physicians who haven't seen it right. are going to misdiagnose it. Okay. Which happens anytime we get a new something. Yeah, because the symptoms, is they're kind of nondescript. It's like you got the flu. It's fever and chills. So they're going to swab <laughs> you for COVID and maybe, or the flu? And uh, yeah, and, 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 and of course, now, if you are planning on a travel, if you're part of the revenge travel group that wants to get out and about, there is, uh, I guess there is medication 
There's preventative drugs too. Well, that's what I mean. Right, but I'm saying I, yeah, preventative. You're, that's yeah, right, Carrie. That's what I was trying to say. If you really say. are that worried, you can take a pill. It's yeah. preventative. Yeah, you can take a daily or weekly dose right. of drugs that you know kills the parasite as it circulates in your bloodstream. Oh right. my god, or reproduces it in the you, liver. Yeah, kill- oh god. But anyway, so I guess we have to be worried about domestic malaria. I don't know. Um, I think we have bigger things to worry about. That's the time when <laughs> was, okay, get us started. Our government or. Taxes or inflation. What is it going to say? The Fed rate increases again. I'm going to talk about taxes. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM between 9 and 10. We are a financial educational talk program here to give you helpful information and talk about issues that can impact your financial life, whether you're working or you're in your retirement years. We're sponsored by the estate planning team, and the estate planning team has been helping people more than 36 years in the greater Cleveland area through unbiased objective advice and analysis. What we do is build custom financial plans and do financial modeling and analysis so that people, whatever issue, financial issue you're faced with, you know you have some good information so that you're making informed decision, whether that's building a full model saying, when can I afford to retire? What can I spend? Um, or if you're in the camp that isn't worried about running out of money, and we have a lot of people that come in and say, you know, I know I'm pretty sure based on my assets that I'm not going to run out of money. I'll adjust my spending. But do you know then how much really you can spend and still be okay or still leave an inheritance? Um, Are there things that you're missing by creating future tax efficient income, doing IRA distribution planning, Roth conversions, qualified charitable distributions, timing of Social Security to make things even better? Um, Or if you are worried about running out of money, which... I did see an article this week that said 61% of people are more worried about running out of money than dying. And I've seen statistics over the years. This is one that came I out am. this week. I, I'm not, I guess I'm not afraid of dying. Me either. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, uh, so, no, I was going to say, but I'm saying a lot of people who are shouldn't be, but they don't have any way to know. So they don't spend and don't enjoy it because they don't know where their money's going to be in 20 years. We can run a model, we can make it. Uh, ugly model. I know, Mark, you call it R or worst recession. Case worst case scenario. <laughs> ugly model. I call it Maybe ugly. that's a better name but for it. But it's like uh, taking in higher inflations here to stay. Um, market volatility. We can model in that. Um, longevity. Speaking of running on money before right. life, I mean, our, you know, we've talked about that. that too I mean, hard. we put a line on our plans of just what the government table says is a life expectancy. But I wouldn't go up to that point unless you know something about your health that we don't as far as waiting to that point. I mean, how many people say I'm not going to get to 80? I'm not going to get to 85. I'll never make it to 90. Well, we have there's a lot of people, you know, quality versus quantity. Would you rather and that's the balance of would you rather get to age 100 and say I'm out of money and I'm really maybe and then it's too late to do something about her in your 90s or get to and saying I got to spend some, but I didn't get to spend quite as much, but I still have a pot there for whatever I may need. But we can help with all those different issues. And what we do is that financial modeling. We don't do investments. We do look at people's assets and say, in the financial model, what growth rate do you need to be okay? And how much risk does that translate that you need to be taking on? We have some clients that don't have much in the market and they're fine because slow growth and safety is better than potential loss. Even if they're missing out on the bigger gains, it depends what's important to you. you, Taking into account your goals, um, our clients either do the investments on their own or we work with their existing investment advisor. We offer a free, no obligation, no pressure consultation, which we're happy to do it by phone or in person. We can either talk general concepts or if you fill out our two-page planning guide, which is our information gathering worksheet, we actually look it over and see and run some preliminary analysis so we can see, can we help you and what kind of planning we would recommend for you, whether it's a little bit of help on the hourly planning or a lot of help through the analysis, recommendations, and then step-by-step to make sure things are implemented. Implement implemented correctly and coordinating with existing advisors. So if you want to take advantage of a free consultation, you can give us a call and we'll give you a call back on Monday or you can send an email through the website. You can call 440-239-2090. That's 440 
239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. Yeah, Carrie, and, and another part of that financial planning, having the benefit of having a detailed written financial plan that's looking out over decades, is the other concern is, you know, the ones who don't really know where they're going to be in terms of their net worth when they're 90, 95, do I mm-hmm. hear 100? that they might also not be understanding the type of IRD or income respective seat or tax burden they're leaving for their heirs. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not so much worried about federal estate tax anymore. Of no. course, Ohio state tax was repealed in 2013. The federal state tax exemption, you know, 12.9, you know, that is going to be cut in half in 2026. Right. But that's still, with inflation, a couple would still have 13 to $14 million of federal state tax exemption to work with during their lifetime right. or at the time of their death. So not a big risk for not a, like it was when it was 600,000 when the yeah, company started yeah um and so but there is the risk of uh, what do we call IRD income respective of the seed meaning if you're leaving any tax deferred assets that you own during your lifetime that you never took out of that tax wrapper you just left it in there IRAs 401k's 403b simple seps um annuities um you know savings bonds double e bonds i bonds you know anything that's tax deferred that doesn't go income tax free to the heirs they have to pay taxes on it and of course under the new secure act rules the non-spouse beneficiary of an IRA has 10 years to get to make the distribution out the stretch IRA has been eliminated there's some exceptions of that. I'm not going to get into that today, Carrie. We've talked mm-hmm. a lot about that. But um, but the the idea is, so it gets back to running, uh, and I'm going to talk about this in the second half of the program, the idea of how, you know, how can you quickly determine, well, if I just, let's say, for example, you follow the required minimum distribution right. plan, for, you know, and, and a lot of times that's when you ask a professional, they tell you that's what to do. You know, well, just follow the RMD plan. You know, well, um, that's easy because you don't have to. Do, it's pretty much the default right. plan. But where is that leading you? But um, also, um, just a just a couple things too. I wanted before that. Um, we, you know, we're taping the show on Thursday this week, a day earlier than normal. So I don't have all the the, the jobs data. You know, this is right. the big week for all the what I call the triple play payroll. Mm-hmm. So I only have what came out today on Thursday. I was going to say there was some. Pro- I saw some well, the headline AD, this morning. The ADP report that no one believes anymore, right? You know, since they newfangled our four hundred ninety-seven thousand jobs. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, what is ADP doing? Um, you know, the consensus was looking for two hundred forty-five thousand new jobs. I don't know if AD. I don't know what ADP is doing. I don't know if we can. But this is supposedly their newfangled way of doing it. It's it's mm-hmm. it's not really matching the jobs report, which we won't get till tomorrow on Friday. Um, but also the weekly, the Thursday weekly jobless claims came in at 248,000. Um, consensus, about consensus, 245,000. Um, so, you know, it, it, I mean, but basically still indicators of a strong labor market, which is a pretty strong indicator that the Federal Reserve will raise rates in July. And possibly another time behind, behind, you know, they remember they skipped June. Uh, I think they will raise unless we get a really, you know, bad jobs report. Right. In totally contradiction to the ADP report. Um, but yeah, I think that's what's happening. So the good news there, if you are looking for some of your fixed side of your investment portfolio, meaning money that you are not going to put back into the market, and don't look now, but the S&P 500 is up, what, over 15% year to date? Um, but I think the 60-40 is resurrected, um, but we'll see. But the idea is that you're not going to put 100% of your money into stocks, so what are you going to do with your fixed side? And if you like the idea of principal protection on the fixed side you know if the federal reserve continues to raise rates you probably still have a little more time to lock in some of those higher rates now mark i think because you talked about the changing rates this is why you also don't want you see a rate change that you don't want to put everything where we see 
you know, that you've talked a lot on the show that it's a laddered concept, whether it's CDs or the multi-year guaranteed annuities or some combination of because in a changing environment that we can't predict, you can't time the market, you don't know what the Fed will do or right. what data. If you have those ti- laddered CDs, maybe you'll need it for cash flow or maybe you can renew it at a better rate versus sometimes people, you know, jump in and take a big lump sum and just put it into one concept or strategy at least be further diversified you know stack the odds in your favor when you can right and and that and and a lot of people got out of the habit of building those fixed ladders carry mm-hmm. when because for so long well, the interest year, rates were so low you think about the 5 year 3 it was a joke right but today, you know, so if you could, you know, and that's what we've uh, we've helped a lot of our clients build those ladders over the last twelve months, and the, and it's working now for them, and and they have a lot of peace of mind. And saying, yeah, and by the way, speaking back to that, you know, the the resurrection of the sixty forty portfolio, if a lot of your fixed side money is locked in for the next four to five years at a four to five percent rate, mm-hmm. that helps your overall five percent right. you're trying to get. Um, without, you know, principled risk. And that's, you know, and that, and then of course, like you're saying, the flexibility is every six months or so you have money coming due and do you need to replenish your cash flow? Boom. There you go. Um, are interest rates still going up? Boom. You have a chance of reinvesting a higher rate. Um, or interest rates are now going back down. You still got the rest of the ladder. Now you may say, Hey, maybe this is time. I'm going to now some dry powder. I may put in the, the market for the long term. Mm-hmm. A lot of flexibility. That's what you want in a retirement plan. Right. Um, just and just you know again and what are again we're we're coming off the Supreme Court decision that's going to block President Biden's um, student loan debt relief program. I talked a lot about that last show. Mm-hmm. You can always go back and listen to the podcast. But we were we're just talking about um, will that tip the country into a recession because of all the discretionary spending that had been happening by the student loan borrowers when they didn't have to make payments. But do you think they really had some people had discretionary? Maybe people were just paying their bills. Carrie, you've got millennials, right? Do I need? Yeah. My Yeah. I think, uh, I think they were still spending the money. Well, I mean, mine's paying on it. I mean, mine's been paying while it's at zero, but... Um, um, but anyway, so... I don't know. Well, what kind of money are we talking about? So let's say 44 million um, Americans now, you know, again, interest starts accruing September 1st, payments start uh, being due October 1st. Um, the, the, the average payment is between $210 and $314. Um, this is according to Wells Fargo. All right. So let's take 300 a month, Carrie. So mm-hmm. forty four million at three hundred a month. Right. You, you got that government calculator mm-hmm. that does the fuzzy math here? Um, let's see, forty four million times three hundred a month. That's thirteen point two billion mm. a month. Mm. And times twelve. That's a hundred and fifty eight point four billion spending a year. Whew. That's now not going to go to the mom and pop shops. Well, you know what? Since I would just look this up while we were talking, because I was curious and said millennials, which I guess that's true, spend more on convenience, online shopping, eating out, you know, the experiences and travel, streaming services versus spend less on cars, clothes, housing and savings, which is an issue. Yep. I mean, discretionary, if you follow, I know you've talked on the, the 50, 30, 20, or, you know, you take care of your other things, savings, then what you have left over for discretionary. So we'll see. And, and, and now some people think it will not be enough to tip the economy because I don't think so, because of the, the you know, there's just a very few that have a lot of debt. Um, mostly it's 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 at a level that they'll be able to. Pay, make the payment without having to really slash their discretionary spending. But that's part of the wealth gap. I think the colleges should donate a pool of money, a percentage into a pot of money. Maybe they should help fund debt relief. Well, Carrie, yeah. And it's interesting because a lot of states are doing something. Okay. You know, a lot of states are trying to step in and see if they can help out. So Ohio, okay. Ohio, I don't know if you are, it's called the student. 
It's called the Bold Compact. Have you heard about that? No, I haven't. This is the B Ohio's latest degree holder. Okay. So apparently this is catching on. I don't think the big universities in Ohio um, are doing this, like the you know the big state universities, but a lot of the community colleges and the and the and the smaller schools. Carrie, I know you've heard of Dayton before, right? Yeah, okay. my daughter. Um, so they've joined this now, and and the idea here is that um, it's for people who entered the college, took out loans, but did right. not graduate. Oh, which is that's a huge issue. So the the incentive is to get them to get back in and finish off their degree. Mm-hmm. And but what they're going to do is they're going to slash off some of the student loan debt that they've already accrued. Okay. All right. Um so it's it's like up to $5,000. Okay. Um so colleges in the bold compact contact formally enrolled students who didn't earn a degree to offer debt forgiveness, according, you know, this is what they're saying. Various colleges in Southern and Western Ohio already participate in the program, um, blah, 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 you know, and, you know, they're saying by expanding the bold compact opens the door for even more Ohioans to finish their degrees, Mike DeWine said in his press release. Um, by helping to remove barriers from former students, we can support them as they pursue their dreams and live up to their full potential. Um, there are an estimated 1.5 million Ohioans with some college but no degree, according to the Ohio, you know, the Ohio Council of Higher Education. Um, and I have one in that camp, too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, so th- there you go. So the states are trying to chip in, too. Um, all right, Carrie, also, before I talk about the RMD tax trap. Um, Which is a big one. I don't think people are even thinking about it. But if you're retired and not yet at RMD, you need to be. Yeah. But um, just a couple other, you know, sometimes we call them bad tax matters, right? Um, and so what's what's going on in some of the issues of um, the tax world that may or may not affect you or something they even think about well um so we talked a little bit about the secure act right so remember the secure act too um carrie raised the required minimum distribution age right mm-hmm. secure act one remember raised it to 72 that was you know secure act one was done in december of 2019 right. then secure act two done in december you know, last year you know raised it again so now, if for example, taxpayers who turn seventy two after twelve thirty one twenty two, their RMD is now age seventy three, mm-hmm. and for those who turn seventy four after twelve thirty one thirty two, okay, their RMD will now be age seventy five. Okay. Okay. Um, now the rule about when the first required minimum is due hasn't changed. You know, you have until April first of the year following the calendar year, you attain one of those ages. So they didn't simplify that piece. No, they didn't simplify that. Wouldn't that be easy? You have to take it by the year, end of the year you turn. Right. Now, now, and if you do wait till April 1st of the year following the calendar year, you attained your full retirement age or your RMD age, you then would have to take a second RMD by December 31st of that same year. So in effect, you'll be doing two RMDs in one tax year, and that may cause you a little bit of a tax bite. But it might benefit you if you were still working in a high wage earner. Those two RMDs may be less, and you may not want to add that, throwing you through some big thresholds. Right. And this is why you don't ask your neighbor if they waited till April 1st or plan to wait till April 1st or they're going to do their first RMD in the calendar year you attain your age and in that situation you have one that first year and then just one in every year ongoing. Um, so there it is it, it, you know and we've helped a lot of clients who've just never even thought about that. We've helped a lot of clients and simply a lot of people in their mind think that's April 15th. Mm-hmm. You know tax filing deadline no. no that's a bad april fool's joke by the government it's april 1st mm-hmm. um now a lot of people carry still miss their rmds mm-hmm. um, a lot of them miss the first one because they don't understand the rules a lot of them f- miss one later on in life right or maybe you have a lot of iras and you thought you did it and maybe somebody was sick that year or you had a lot you were caring for your spouse whatever it happens it and happens. it used to be a 50% 
penalty if you missed it, which right. it got now that, that was reduced. Right. Now they, yeah, that's been reduced to now twenty five percent. Um and that still could be a big hit. Okay, that's pretty big. Yeah, but but <laughs> still it, better. It could be even ten percent if you correct it in a timely manner. Okay. So this is all part of Secure Act Two. Mm-hmm. All right. Um so the window for correction is two years from the end of the year in which the RMD should have been taken. That's a pretty big grace period, in I ad- feel like. In addition, which has always been the case, you can request a waiver of any penalty at all from the Internal Revenue Service by taking the RMD now and filing form 5329, where you give a reasonable explanation. You know, the, you know, slap my wrist. I forgot. You, you Sorry. Know, um, yeah. And, and, you know, and, and a lot of times you, that will work. But you, you can't habitually do that every year. Right. I don't think that's going to No, that's not going to fly. Um, but there's also another, you know, getting into the weeds of Secure Act 2, Carrie. They also now, there's a statute of limitations for the IRS to come back after these issues. So this is something new as well. Right. So the statute of limitations is now created, limiting the period in which the IRS can impose a penalty three years for missed RMDs and six years from the tax filing deadline of the year in which an excess contribution was made. Previously, there was no statute of limitations. Okay. So that is something too. So, you know, and, you know, with the aging baby boomers, you know, where you're going to have, what, 12,000 a day turning 65 and another few years, they're going to be getting up to that you know, RMD age. And that's, and that's what we've seen with the baby boomers. It created so many more uh, people missing the RMDs, you know, it got to be a a big issue. Um, So, you know, keep an eye on that. So there are, you know, if you do forget one or make a mistake and, you know, it's not the end of the world, especially if it was your first offense, um, but also be aware more of a planning strategy of saying, yeah, you know, let's not, let's not have this sneak up on you. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to be well versed in the rules of RMDs before you get to that age. Um, another thing that's happening too right now um, is th- this idea where people are getting trapped inside their homes, right? And meaning that they. I was going to say, clarify that okay. one. <laughs> meaning that. They're kind of stuck. The, 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 they may want, and let's talk about the baby boomers while we're talking mm-hmm. about the baby. In other words, they're in a house, they want to move, but there's not a lot of good options because they've got a 3% mortgage rate. And they know if they go out and buy another house, it's going to be double that. And downsizing, we know from our experience, isn't always down pricing. Right, absolutely. And so because of that, they're kind of stuck in their home, right. which is leading to a supply and demand issue for people right. looking for homes, mm-hmm. the next generation right. coming up, right? Um, and so, so what can, you know, can Congress do anything about that? Well, yeah, we eventually probably the mortgage rates will come back down. But like we said, we're, we're not sure if the Federal Reserve is done raising interest rates at right. this point. I don't think they are. Um, so uh, some other Congress people are trying to figure out another, there could be a second problem too, Carrie, and maybe not so much of our listeners here in this Cleveland area, but the case where there's been so much appreciation for that baby boomer who's been in the home for 20 years that if they sell it, it's going to exceed the capital gain exclusion for the sale of a primary residence. Right. Okay. So for those, which is that exclusion? How much is that? Okay. So for a single filer, that's $250,000. And for married joint filers, it's 500,000. So you could say, well, how many people have got married couples have got more than $500,000 of appreciation in their primary residences? Well, again, maybe not so much around here, but across the country, there's a lot. And it's happened with the housing market, depending on when you bought it and the housing market went up and depending on when you sold it. Um, in Santa Clara, you know, there's a, just an article, called, you know, a homeowner who bought a house in Santa Clara in 1997 for $300,000 sees their home valuation rise to $1.8 today. Whew. But they can't sell. 
because they'd have the capital gains tax. Mm-hmm. And where are they going to? And if they want to move in the same area, they're going to have to come up with even more. You know, right? It, you know, and that's the trap. That's the what I mean by buying trapped in their house. But a lot of people are leaving California, Mark. So I'm well, sure I know California For housing taxes. Right. <laughs> um, hard to believe. Um, so so what is this idea? So uh, Jim Panetta, you know, a Democrat from California, what he wants to do is, in effect, double the capital gain exclusion. Okay. All right. Um, Does it not go up with inflation, I'm assuming? It's no. A, it's a flat amount, regardless of... Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, I think... Let's just see, Carrie. Um, Yeah, Panetta, they're just sitting in their homes and they've grown out of and therefore not freeing up the market with these homes. You know, that's what we're talking about. Um, yeah, so the National Association of Realtors kind of has just mentioned that idea, Carrie. Why are they not indexing the capital gain exclusion for inflation? Right. Um, okay, they project that by adjusting capital gains exclusion for inflation since 1997 – and increasing the exclusion amount to 450000 for single and 900000 for joint, the single-family housing market would see an increase in supply between 159000 and 344000 homes nationwide. That would be a, a, go a long way to free up this you know, bottleneck. Right. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. I don't mm-hmm. know if there's any bipartisan... Um, but I could see how there could be a bipartisan. I, yeah, I, would think, I would think it's a win-win for the American people. I mean, um, true. And 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 if this is a Democrat who's proposing this now, so and and usually the the you know, Republicans, the GAPS, you know, they, they right. they're all for tax you know breaks, right? Right. Um, so I would think this could be something they actually could agree on. Um, Speaking of the GOP House, right, you know, because now okay. the, the Republicans have a slight majority in the House of Representatives. So they're thinking about, so what are the, some of the changes they're thinking about that we're keeping our eyes on at the estate planning team? Um, well, one, uh, we can talk about the encore careers out there, right? right. You know, we talked on a lot of this show where um, the baby boomers or maybe even Maybe even your generation, X generation, Gary. They're they're thinking about hey, they 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 want to get out of the rat race. You know, mm-hmm. they can't do the sixty hour a week work week, or they they liked working from home when they could. Now they have to go back right. to the office. They're not too excited about it, so they're looking for uh, what we call an encore career, right? And and ideally, what they're really looking for is a hobby career. You right. know, the idea that they're doing something they love to do and getting paid for it. Now, obviously, it's not replacing their sixty-hour work work salary, but what we help them, uh, you know, d- develop in the financial modeling is maybe they don't need that p- pay anymore. But they're afraid to leave because they don't know. Or and maybe they're saying I- I'd be too bored if I left, which isn't a good thing to just retire to the couch at home. So and they'd like to have some extra, you know, fun money. Um, to do the discretionary spending while they're battling with this higher non-transitory inflation, mm-hmm. so they they say, "Hey, I'm I'm looking to you know make a little money on the side." So you know, one of the things is if you're selling <laughs> your wares on one of those sites, Gary, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it be you know, and and you're using one of the third-party settlement networks, PayPal, Square, Venmo, eBay, right. you know, one of those things. So remember, we talked about this. You know, there this was something that was supposed to start last year, where under the old law, the only time that you, that those in those third party had to issue a, a a statement to the government saying how much money they paid you was if um you know if you had over two hundred transactions in any one year and was paid over $20,000. Okay. So that was somebody who's really doing a nice right. little side business. Right. You know, over 200 transactions a year That's and making more than 20000 Most of the people I'm talking about were nowhere near no. that. But the law was going to reduce that from $20,000 a year to $600 a year. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, and that was supposed to go into effect last year. They stopped it. Yeah, it's now in effect for this year. Oh, so they just delayed it, not got rid they of it. They kicked the can down the road. Oh, they so just need to throw it out now. But the Gap House is trying to come up with an alternative 
to replace. Man, that's a big drop. 20000 to 600 I know. Jeez, that's not um, even... Can you imagine the paperwork and, nightmare even for the IR, like the reporting on that? The reporting, the watchdogging, and the mistakes that are going to be made. It, it, and if anyone hasn't noticed, we kind of have a complicated tax code right now. Uh, the, the, you know, I keep saying, you know, the complexity alone prevents compliance. Um, so what do the GOP house want to do? Um, so they want to, they want to put it back to the old law. Okay. The bill would reverse, um, yeah, they, so they, so they have a couple pieces. One is they want to put, you know, just keep it at where it was. 20,000. Just completely repeal this new law. Right. Okay. Um, but the second one is the other type of, it, it, you know, the encore careers when you're getting paid on a, like a 1099 miscellaneous, yeah. right? And again, there is threshold for that of when that gets reported and stuff like that. Um, and, the, yeah, the threshold for reporting non-employee payments on 1099s would skyrocket from the 600 figure now in place to 5,000 for the 10. So there's, a, so there, yeah, so they want to do that too. So they they kind of want to address the issue. They think that there's a lot of encore careers and hobby careers that they're not being reported as taxable income. They're mm-hmm. not paying the payroll taxes on that. Right. It's leading to other problems, and it's not fair for those who are still working and paying their payroll taxes. Mm-hmm. So they want to do something, but they don't want to make it so you know that that they're you know it's just going to be a right. big compliance nightmare. Um, all right, so there's just some, a few, um, a few of the issues that we're keeping our eyes on at the estate planning. Right. Team. So, and I know Mark, you're going to talk about the RMD tax trap or RMDs coming up. But if you are would like to stop working and want to know how much do I have to earn over what time frame so that I can realistically afford to retire, or if you're in retirement, want to know spending, want to know how to create tax-efficient income, want to look at Roth conversions, IRA distribution planning, timing of Social Security, whatever that may be, we may be able to help you. And we offer a free no-obligation consultation at the estate planning team, which we can do by phone or in person. If you're interested, or if you want to do some due diligence, you can go to our website at financialfoodforthought.com. All the emails from the website will come directly to me, or you can leave a message. We will call you back on Monday at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090. Or again, visit us at financialfoodforthought.com. All right. Listen to Mark Donnelly and Carrie Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 36 years. And over those decades, Carrie, we've done, had a lot of discussions uh, with our clients about the IRA distribution planning. And Carrie, I, I, we've been talking about this at our seminars since 1998. I mean, right, right. right away we were talking about this. And w- what we had realized was that, you know, because remember, we first started working with the Depression kids, the greatest mm-hmm. generation. And they they were the ones that really accumulated a lot in their IRAs, mm-hmm. um, and they just all followed the required minimum distribution because that's all they were ever told to do. Right? Um, you know, just follow. And the and they were so that they were depression kids. They never, you know, it's like I, they didn't need it for spending. So let's just default. And to they, they, they then never spend your principal. You, right. you know, you know, and, and all that. So it was just, you know, they, they never even thought of taking money more than what the RMD was in mm-hmm. any one year. Um, well, what we saw in that group is that led to while they were in retirement, when we did a graph on their taxes, that the, we showed that over time they were paying more and more income taxes every year in retirement when mm-hmm. most people thought it would be the other way. You'd be paying less income taxes right. in retirement. But like you're saying, that group, they had pensions. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the big health care costs or no. their their employer had retiree health care benefits. Right. So they didn't have to pay for their Medicare supplemental, basically. Um 
And they had a pretty good stock market. Mm-hmm. They didn't have any debt, you know, so right. they, they didn't have debt payments in retirement. And there are, and you know, you add that together and, and the R&Ds just kept getting larger and larger, which was meaning their taxes kept going up and up. And if something happened to them, then there was going to be a huge tax hit to their kids. Which you, yeah, you know. especially when the federal state tax exemption was 600000 So not only were the kids getting income tax, and there was a f- subject to federal and Ohio at the time. Uh, yeah, state tax, and then right. they had to federal pay income taxes on top of it. Um, now, there was a, a slight offsetting deduction for federal, but that's getting into the weeds. But so to it, so we had to figure out a way to say, you know, and and, and we realized it's another example of what I mean when – if you don't have any way of judging the long-term effect, how do you make a decision today? So when we started asking the class, we know, you know, they all had a fuzzy idea of when RMDs begin and about how much it mm-hmm. was going to be. You know, they were like, yeah, you know, at the time it was 70 and a half, that right. crazy 70 and a half rule. And it was like, oh, yeah, it's about like three, four, five percent or something like that. Mark. Right. You know, so they kind of, but I said, yeah, but you got to know more than that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, 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 if if you really you want to know if you follow the required minimum distribution plan, what is happening later on? What's what's happening at age ninety or ninety five? Okay, and and that's where it was an eye opener. You know, and because when we when and when a new client came in, and let's say remember that generation. Well, they started working with the state planning team after they are a lot of them after they already turned right. seventy and a half. It's been completely different with the baby boomers, right? Um, but those groups came to us because they realized they were thinking about the death planning and saying, "My kids are going to get whacked." Right? Okay, so I need to do something. The baby boomers, it's more of I want to know if I can retire and not run out of money, right? Mm-hmm. But it's the same concept. We, you know, we said, "Well, um, has anyone shown you?" What your what's happening to your IRAs if you just follow the required minimum distribution plan? And they're like, no. Um, and and so we so we started showing that. Well, people. Mark, because I think there's a big there's an incorrect assumption that still I think quite a few people have that if I follow minimum required at ninety ninety five, I'm going to be approaching zero balance in my IRA. I'm it's going to run out. Right. They just think it's going to be gone. It'll be gone. Not, not quite. That might not be. Um, now, um, so and and or you know when we are the ones that are already coming to when they became clients of the state planning team, and they had been just following the RMD for a while. We asked them, well, how did you make your decision just to follow the required minimum distribution? And typically, the answer a lot of in cases was, I asked my neighbor. No, that really was no. We had somebody <laughs> once ask someone at a barbecue. There you that's go. That's what they did. The backyard estate. Or there, I've heard the barber. Uh, Maybe that's what I'm thinking but, about barbecue. But a lot of them was, well, that's what my investment advisor told me to do, or that's mm-hmm. what my CPA told me to do. You know, something like that. And I said, well, that, okay, well, how much analysis did they run you before they made that recommendation? And then I would just get to crickets. Mm-hmm. And then as uh, there's like, well, no, they just told me that. And so, I mean, so in other words, if you're asking one of the professional invest, you know, investment or any professional advisor you're using and say, hey, should I do something different than the required minimum distribution? And they come back with a quick answer without any analysis and just say, no, Mr. Smith, just follow the required minimum distribution. I want you to ask them a follow up question. And the follow-up question is, okay, Mr. or Mrs. Advisor, if I just follow the RMD, can you tell me what the balance of my IRA will be when I'm age 90? And can you tell me what then my RMD would be? And if they can't give you an answer, I'm not sure you're ready to take that recommendation. Mm-hmm. All right, so... So what we started doing was running the a simple analysis, and if you come in for a free consultation, we'll run this for you using your numbers. Right. Okay. Um, and it's just basically the idea of well, how much is in your IRA? And I'm using IRAs broadly here. You know, any tax qualified plan that's subject to RMDs. You know, what's in there? 
how you know and what rate of return do you want to assume the IRA is earning every year? Mm-hmm. Because obviously, what rate of return determines how long it will last, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, so let's start off at five percent, Carrie, right? Um, and what do you want to use for an IRA? Okay, so here's a recent here here's a recent DIYI shock line. I'm 65 with more than three and a half million in my IRA, and I can't figure out how to spend it fast enough to avoid an RMD disaster. Hmm. What a problem. I, really? I mean, if this statement doesn't illustrate the wealth gap in this right. country, I don't know what does. Right. Is that a really, that's a big problem for this person? I think you, I mean, I think they okay. need to do some tax planning. I, Certainly. Yeah, I'm not yeah. going to argue that. But, but I'm not going to start with three and a half million. Right. I'm going to be a little bit more modest. Are you going to do 500,000? 500,000. Okay. Um, so let's say the 63-year-old has got 500,000 in their IRA nest eggs. Could be a married couple. You know, John's got 350, Mary's got 150, whatever. Right. Okay. Um, so at 63, their required minimum under the new Secure Act 2 is now 73. So they got 10 years. And let's say they are just planning on waiting for required minimums. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now they've got a 5% rate of return on investments. So the 500,000 grows to about 814,000 before the RMDs begin. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now the RMDs begin based on the uniform life table, okay, um, and that the first year divisor is going to be 26.5. It's about 3.77% mathematically. And so their first year RMD, if the balance is now 814000 it's going to be about 30734 Okay. Now, most people have a fuzzy idea of that, but you need to know more than that. Right. Because now let's just carry this scenario out and let's look at what's happening age 90. Okay. So they just started the RMDs at 73. They just follow RMDs and they continue to earn 5% a year. Okay. Right. Okay. At age 90, like you were saying, a lot of people thought, well, Mark, I I assume my IRA is pretty much be gone by then, right? Well, actually, it's not gone by then. As a matter of fact, there's still 727,000 still mm. in the IRA at age 90. Maybe you would have, should have, could have. Okay. Um, and now your RMD's a bit higher. Mm-hmm. Now it's 59,613. Instead of roughly 30,000. And that's a good general rule to remember, you know, that whatever your RMD starts at age 73 or 75, just assume it's going to double by your life expectancy. That's at a 5% rate of return. Right. And I don't know if you're going to get have time to get into it, but also think about what that almost 60000 is going to do to your tax return on top of Social Security or pensions. Right. Now, let's take it out to 93. Okay. Um, so my 93 mark, obviously my IRA is going to be gone, right? Mm-hmm. Well, not actually. Actually, there's still 640000 So mm-hmm. it's tipped. It's not as large as it was at age 90. You've gone over the peak, right? But the funny thing is, Carrie, RMDs are still larger. Mm. Now the RMD is 63,400. Okay, so this is what we're seeing. That, yeah, even though the IRA balance, if you live beyond age 90, is starting to go down, your RMDs are still going up. Going up, which means what's happened to your tax return? Going up, and chances are, Mark, I know you use a married couple, that at that point, it's going to be a single filer, statistically, so you don't think they're going to be in a single tax bracket, they're going to be single thresholds for the Medicare IRMA adjustments. Right, it's even a, a bigger trip. Now, but let's say, in you know, Mark would say, well, I don't know what investment rate of return I should use, Mark. I said, well, you know, that's a good question to ask your investment advisor. So let's say he comes back and says, oh, Mr. Smith, you should be using 6%. Okay. Okay. Now I'm going to quickly do the numbers at a 6% rate of return. So at age 73, the IRA balance would be 895,000 and the required minimum would be about 33,790. Okay. At age 90, at a 6% rate of return. 66. Or you're talking about the balance. I was talking about the RMD. Yeah. I was doing the double. 
Yeah, it's going to be more. Okay, now we're using 6% rate of return. Okay. So now at age 90, there's 939000 still in the IRA. This is at age 90. So over a million dollars, okay. almost uh, not quite a million that you could have spent. But now the RMD is approaching $77,000 a year. Mm. Okay. Um, what if so we, more than double. Now, is there a, now there's only a 50% chance that you're going to last, one of you is going to last be age 90, right? So let's run this out to 93. Okay. Now the R, the balance is 851,000. Again, a little bit lower than 90. Right. But the RMDs aren't coming down. They're still going the other way. It's going to be over 80? 84,254. That'll throw you through a Medicare threshold, a tax bracket, now, capital gains maybe, or IRD. Mhm. Um now, Carrie, I know this is crazy. I know this is crazy talk. But what, just what if there's anybody out there who thinks they could possibly get a 7% rate of return? Now, I know I'm talking crazy. Oh, no, I think there's people, plenty of people out there. But um, I don't think there's any investment advisors telling new prospects that they can get 7% a year. Annual, ongoing, forever. All right, but you get my point. Without blips, area. Let's now run this analysis based on a 7% rate of return. Okay, now at age 73, the balance of the IRA when RMDs begin is almost a million dollars, 983,578. And now the RMD is around 37,000. Okay. Mm. By age 90, $1.2 million still in the IRA. Ooh, what's that RMD? About $100,000. Yikes. Okay. Now, what if you're unlucky enough to get to 93, 7% rate of return, follow the RMD that whole time? Now there's still 1.1 million in the IRA. Your RMD is 112,000, and chances are you aren't spending it then. So now you start divvying that up to the kids. What's their tax bracket? They got 10 years to get it out. You get the point. So it is. So this is sometimes why you have to kind of run your own numbers and get a feel. Now, solutions to this. There's many, many solutions. Okay. Remember that, that, and 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 remember that was that article, right? You know the idea. But I'm going to come back next week. So if you're at that, you can imagine if I run these numbers as based on a three and a half million dollar IRA carry as opposed to five hundred thousand. Hmm. Yeah, now we're talking estate tax issues, right? And maybe I'll come address that. Certainly, you're talking what you had mentioned, the IRMA threshold. Right. You know, how Which much is your Medicare shocked, going? Not even thinking about that threshold. Uh, so, and what are the solutions? Well, you could, you know, our first recommendation is maybe you not wait till required minutes. Maybe you start spending it. Um, this is why you have to have that detailed plan. So even if you start spending it, you're not going to run out. Uh, maybe you want to start giving it away. Could be family, could be charities. You know, you have the qualified charitable distribution, you know, that can, you can help you reduce this RMD trap. Um, there are lots of ways, but you know, other, but what we've, what we did over, what we've been doing over the decades is one of the, a lot of uh, solutions is our clients who say, Mark, well, I want to know, um, how much should I start taking out right now so that by the time I get to age 90, I've got all my money out of IRA? Mm, that's tough. Okay. And if I hadn't spent it, I've got the taxes paid on it. What I didn't spend or what wasn't required by minimums, I converted over to Roth IRA, which I now I'm not worried about estate taxes right now. And my kids get the Roth IRA tax free. Well, real quickly here, I'm probably running out of time here, but so let's say back to that um, 500000 at age 63, got 5% rate of return. Your target's first year would be around $26,000. Okay. Okay. If at 6% rate of return, your target distribution in the first year would be around 29000 At 7%, your target would be around 32000 okay. a year. And then we would add inflation to that because you get the bracket creep. Right. So, you know, I'm running out of time here. But that is a place to start and say, okay, now what does that look overall? In the All right. Call the estate planning team for a free consultation at 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440 239 
2090. Thanks for listening.